Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Good morning, everyone. We're, uh, we're ready to jump in today. I, I want to start uh, by doing something special. This upcoming Saturday morning at about 6.20 in the morning, we're going to have 13 people from this church hop on an airplane and go to the Bahamas, not, to, not for a vacation, but to work. We have uh, hundreds of pounds of screws we're taking with us to put together a campground and to paint and to do plumbing and all kinds of things to get a campground together. So you know how much we value camps here at Harvest Ridge. Well, guess what? Our team is going to go build the Abaco camp in the Bahamas so that there can be kids that have youth camps this summer from all over the Bahamas come to that campground. This is, this is cool. We get a ch- It was destroyed in uh, Hurricane Dorian a couple years ago, and we get a chance to go and make a difference. So 13 people from your church in the middle of all the craziness going on in the world, and trust me, it's been crazy with this trip, a lot of different directions, sort of like the Ethiopia, or the, uh, the call of the uh, May, uh, yeah, whatever that is. What is it? Paul. Yeah, it was some call that he had. He wanted to go here, he wanted to go there, and he wound up going somewhere else. That's what we've experienced as a team. And I'm going to ask you, if you're a part of that team, would you stand to your feet right now? If you're a part of that team, go into the Bahamas, stand on up right now, and we're going to say a prayer, and we're going to pray over this team right now. I thought I saw Dan and Ruth here earlier. So, all right. Y'all ready? Here we go. Jesus, we pray over our team going to the Bahamas. They're going to represent Harvest Ridge. And uh, when they get to... The Bahamas, we have an opportunity to impact a local church and some kids and the local ministry there. We also have an opportunity to work and, and, and work on this facility. I pray that you would make it a good trip. I pray that uh, the trip would be good in your sight, that uh, the investment we make would be an eternal investment, and that those who have taken their time off of work and those who are, are, are they're sacrificing and giving of their own personal finances and time and energy to go serve someone else, I pray that you would return to them a blessing a thousandfold. Keep this trip safe and keep the COVID stupid stuff a long, long way from us. And I pray that you would also help us to be a blessing to the local ministries there. I pray you'd help us to be effective in getting our work done and nobody get hurt or anything crazy like that. And that we would come back testifying of the goodness of God and that we would have made an impact in our world as we go. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks. Y'all keep us in prayers, please. Keep us in your prayers. It's, uh, uh, every missions trip is a missions trip. <laughs> and uh, it's, it gets a little difficult. So we're planning on doing a couple more around here. And um, I encourage you to be a part of a missions trip. If you've never gone... Part of what we're doing is we're starting to work with a, a group called Builders International. And what I want to be able to do is develop a relationship with them so we can take multiple trips throughout the year and have you have an opportunity for not a huge investment, but an investment of your time and a few dollars a week of your life. Go make an impact somewhere in the world and have an opportunity for God to use you outside of your comfort zone. That sounds pretty good, right? Yeah? <laughs> All right. So I recently went to see the world's tiniest 
wind turbine. Honestly, not a big fan. So since I was disappointed, I went to see the world's largest fan. Man, I was blown away. <laughs> All right. If you got your Bibles, would you open with me today to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9? So um, I grew up in Oklahoma. It was a little bit different environment than most of the things I experienced around here. We had, we had these family get-togethers. My mom had 11 in her There were 11 brothers and sisters. And there were literally dozens, if not there were dozens of cousins. And then there were hundreds of people when we got together for a family get-together. And uh, I remember I was at one of those events, and um, the older cousins started picking on the younger cousins. I know that's never happened in your world, but in Oklahoma, among people who grew up in ab abject poverty, there, things were a little rougher than I see in the world right now. Uh, fists were normal. Um, Wrestling was a part of daily life. Um, it was nothing to get punched in the face at a family event, just so you know. Your family, like my family, my family was messed up, all right? So we're at a family event, and some of the olders started picking on the youngers, and I happened to be one of the youngers. Anybody ever been there? Yep. Am I the only person in the room? Ever, if you've ever had an experience like that, wave at me. All right, there are a couple of you, all right? Yeah, we, we don't do that anymore, yeah, but used to, we kids played unsupervised by parents, and they had to work it out. It was bad. So anyway, it was, it was really rough, and, and uh, I got picked on, and things weren't going right, and I looked up over in the distance, and I saw my dad, and I took off running, and I got to my dad, and guess what happened to all of the problems when I got to my dad? Come on, all those, those cousins... They just stopped. When they looked up at six foot four, 225 pound James Crow that grabbed a hold of everything and it moved, when they looked at him, little 10 year old <laughs> knew not to mess with six year old anymore, right? Does, that is the experience I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about running to your father and hanging out with your father because your father is bigger than all the problems and all the evils of this world. I, I, lo I, I, I love how crazy we can be in this culture. There is sort of the, we sort of approach God and the devil as if they're like a yin and a yang. Y'all know what yin and yang is, right? They're equal good, equal bad, with a mixture of both in the middle. Anybody ever see the yin-yang symbol? And that's sort of the mentality that sort of invaded our world, but that's not even close to the truth because God and the devil are not equals. It's like my dad and a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> God created the devil. <laughs> One of these days, he's going to throw him in a lake of fire and burn him for eternity. So, so they're not equals. God is all-powerful. The devil is limited. One time, one space, one place. The devil hasn't been messed with you. He's got people a whole lot more important than you to mess with. Now, you might have had demonic powers. You might have been stupid. I don't know what it is, but there are struggles in this world. And one of the faults that we have is we have sort of this equation that, the, you know, the equal good on one shoulder and the equal bad on the other shoulder. No, no, no. Your heavenly father is more powerful in a second than the devil is in all of eternity. So part of our problem is that we have a wrong view about the God we serve, and because we have a wrong view about the God we serve, when we're faced with problems, we don't run to dad expecting 
darkness to flee. And I learned a lesson when I was a kid that day at a family event when things went south that if I went and hid behind my dad, the darkness would flee. The problem would be taken care of. And what I want to talk to you about today is the second part of our prayer. There is a two-part part of our prayer. Uh, actually, there's three parts of this prayer. But this part of the prayer is the part that says, be with me. Jabez requested that God would be with him. Now, I want to give you sort of a, a, a core value here, is that if you want to be with God, God wants to be with you. If you want to be with God, God already wants to and will be with you. If you want to be with him, he's more than willing to be with you. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2 says, The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you when you are with him. People say to me, I just don't feel the same in my relationship with God. I'm like, well, who moved? Amen. Who changed? It wasn't God. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. God is still seated in the heavenly realms. He is God eternal before, during, and after your time on this earth. And he's not changing like the shifting shadows. You change, he doesn't. So if at this moment in your life, you don't feel as close to God as another time in your life, I'm asking you a question. Who moved? God is with you if you'll be with him. I think a lot of us, we... Uh, we don't live in that knowledge of God's closeness. And when you don't do that, that's when you really begin to struggle. So if you haven't been fasting and praying, I want to encourage you to join up with us. We've got a couple more weeks to go. Find something, do without it. Fast, food, whatever. Fast whatever. And pray with us. And if you've fallen off the wagon... Anybody done that one? Yeah. Falling off the wagon? I'm going to do this, God. I'm going to fast this. And then at a certain day, you fell off the wagon? Get back on. Come on, let's go. Let's do this. Finish your 21 days of prayer and fasting with us. I don't care how you feel about it. Just do it. Can I... I spent a lot of hours this week talking to somebody in ministry. And... Um, and they've got a lot of feelings right now going on about their ministry. And you know, their feelings are not the facts, but their feelings are lying to them. So do you know what I said to them this past week? And, and I said it to them, and I, I've said this to other people throughout the years, and, and I just, we live in sort of a bipolar culture where it's always got to feel wonderful or else things are horrible. And can I, can I just say to you, you know what feeling you trust do you know what feeling you trust? None of them. It's, your life would be a whole lot better if you would realize that you don't trust your feelings. You can enjoy them. You can hate them. Be they good or bad. But you don't trust them. You know what you trust? The truth of God's word. And you live by the truth of God's word whether you feel like it or not. What feeling do you trust? None of them. So, the Lord is with you if you're intentionally making a choice to be with him. So this is our prayer. It's the prayer of Jabez. Oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory. We prayed that one last week, that you would bless us and enlarge our territory. Give us more of your blessing, not just height and width, but also depth. 
And here's our prayer for today. Would your hand be with me? And then next week we're going to talk about and keep me from harm so I'll be free from pain. So there's bless me, be with me, and keep me. So as you're praying with us these 21 days, I encourage you to pray this prayer every day, every day, to wake up, maybe bookmark it in your Bible, your phone, whatever you need to, and pray this prayer. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Can we, can we just pray this together? Would you stand to your feet and let's do this together, okay? Y'all ready? Here we go. Let's pray it out loud. Everybody join me. Here we go. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. What a great prayer. We're going to pray it again. Y'all ready? And think about that. Bless me. God, open up the doors of your blessing. That be with me. We're going to talk about that today. And then next week, keep me. Keep me. Because I have a tendency to run away. Keep me. All right? Here, let's pray it again. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Father, you've heard our prayer. I pray this prayer from the depths of my heart and I believe we are praying it together as a group and we ask that this would be the year that you would bless us indeed, that you would enlarge our territory, that you would give us true blessing, blessing that we could be a blessing to this world. You would enlarge our territory. You would enable us, God, to have more character so that we could handle the stress of your blessings and handle the blessings of your blessings. I pray that you would be with us, that your hand would always be with us. You would be near and you would be beside us and with us and we would be with you. And I pray that you would keep us from harm. God, you would keep us from those things that bring damage and that you would keep us connected to those things which give life. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Would you turn and smile at somebody real big and let them know you're happy to see them today? Act like you're happy to see somebody at church today. It's good to see you online too. So the surrounding verses of this prayer give us context. I'll make this quick, all right? Jabez was more honorable. If you want to get your prayers answered, here's a couple of things. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. It says in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. He was more honorable. If you want a life of blessing, you want God to answer your prayers, you need to live a more honorable life. I know I said this last week. We're going to say it every week. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 9 says that if you, anyone turns a deaf ear to the instruction of the Holy Spirit, that's what they're saying in this passage. If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, says the Holy Spirit, even their prayers are detestable. So you need to be honorable enough to listen to God. How about this one, Zechariah 7, 13. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. If you're not a person that is honorable, the only prayer God's going to hear from you is a prayer of repentance. Forgive me, please, Father, of my sins. That is the prayer that puts you in a position for other prayers to be heard. So the first thing you have to do is you have to live a life that turns away from the things that God wants you to turn away from and turns toward the things that God wants you to turn to if you want your prayers to be heard. You can pray all you want to, but God's not listening because he's saying, back to the Chronicles, Second Chronicles 15, 2, the Lord is with you if you're with him. God's not listening to you if you're not trying to listen to him. All right? So we talked about Jabez was more honorable. Then we learned that Jabez was born into pain. 
First Chronicles 4, 9 says his mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So Jabez was born into pain. So it doesn't matter where you came from or what your experiences were. It doesn't matter how painful or blessed they were. God can still be with you through it all. And let your pain, if you have come to this place today in pain, if something brought you here that you're broken, then know this, that God is able to hear you and meet you if you will use your pain to propel you into his blessing. What was the pain of his circumstances? Was it the pain of childbirth? Was he breech? Was he an extra large baby? Maybe he had a devastating issue such as abandonment or abuse or rape. Maybe there were family issues, the death of a spouse or sickness. Maybe there were circumstances that were bad. He was born in the middle of a drought or a famine or fire or abandons. No matter what it was, no matter what your pain is, God is able to meet you in your pain. And then, last of all, Jabez sought God for help. It says in uh, chapter 4, verse 10, that Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. So he didn't let his pain get wasted. Don't ever let pain get wasted. Let your pain propel you to the answer. All right? So the key thought for today we're going to talk about is bless me. So here's our key thought, and, and you might want to write this down. Or This is a great thing to remember. How would you live... If you truly believed God was with you. How would you live if you truly believed God was right there with you? Where would you go if you knew you were dragging God there with you? What would you do in the quiet places if you knew that God was right there with you? How would you live? When there's a struggle or you're attacked, if you believed that God was right there with you. I'm going to give you two examples today from scriptures. Two examples of guys who lived as if God was with them. Okay? First one is going to be David. Just really simple. We'll draw some, we'll draw some takeaways from both these guys. But David's the first guy who lived as if God was with him. Now, remember David... Um, Speaking of pain, I believe David had some, I, I, I don't know, I, I've done some research and I believe David may have not been of the same mother of his other brothers. There was obviously some rejection. Come on, if, if, you're know, if you know that one of your brothers is going to be anointed king and you're the only one not invited to the celebration, maybe there's some problems with family dynamics between David and his brothers, right? Can we acknowledge that? At least between his dad. His dad said, no, nah, leave the little one out in the field. One of my other boys are going to get the blessing, and he doesn't even need to see it. So David may have had some pain too. But David in the field learned a lesson. A shepherd boy in the field, isolated, made fun of by his brothers. Here was David out in the field. He wrote this little psalm. And he wrote it while he was a shepherd learning the Learning from the pain of rejection, but learning the nearness of God. He wrote a little psalm. You might, have, you might have heard it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. And, and notice what he said right here. For you are 
with me. David believed God was with him even as a shepherd boy out in the wilderness. He said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, all because God was with him. So David learned a lesson as a rejected boy out in the wilderness, and that is that God was with him. So when David left those sheep one day, and he journeyed off to the battlefront where all of his brothers were, and he showed up, and there was this big guy named Goliath who was making fun of all the Israelites. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to make fun of the God, uh, the armies of the living God? He said, I'll take care of him. Why would he believe that? Because David, why would a little shepherd boy with nothing but a bag of rocks go after a trained fighting man and the greatest warrior of the Philistine army? How would he do that? What would be the confidence in his heart that enabled him to do it? Back here in the desert, he learned, God is with me. So he faced the biggest obstacle because he believed God was with him. And if God is with him, he was like me as a kid running, hiding behind dad. And he knew he could take that sling and throw it. And if the devil, Goliath came at him, he believed his heavenly father was bigger than Goliath. Do you believe that if God's with you, you can tackle the problems that you face in this life? If God is with you, would you be a little more bold to fight the right fights rather than getting all butt hurt? Did I say that? Come on, don't we get the wrong fight? We start thinking it's about us rather than about the people that are in our lives, in our world. And, and we start taking things onto ourselves personally. We'll talk about that in a second. So David was bold because he believed God was, God was with him. The others, um, there was another time he believed God was with him. A little later on, there was this king named Saul. And Saul got jealous of David, so he started chasing him around the wilderness, and he was trying to kill him. Do you all remember this story? So David's on the run. He gathers about 600 guys with him. They're on the run. They're running through the wilderness, hanging out. And Saul, the king, comes out of his kingdom and starts chasing David through the wilderness, trying to kill him. One day, Saul had to go to the bathroom. And I guess kings don't go to the bathroom in front of everyone, so he goes up into a cave all by himself. Well, it just so happened that David... And his men were hiding in the cave when Saul comes in to relieve himself, using the scriptural word. So there he is, you know, doing what he's doing. And David sneaks up behind him and can kill him. Ready to kill him, right there. Saul's trying to kill David. David's at the place, you know, Saul's preoccupied. I guess you could say he caught him with his pants down. I don't know. And David's right there. He, all he has to do is just jump up and go, voomp, and it's all over with. And David knows how to kill because he was a trained killer. He's ready to go. And something inside David says, would God want me to murder a guy from behind? Would God want me to do this? The Lord is with him. And David is, is chastised in his heart, and he pulls back into the cave. He cuts off a corner of the robe and he pulls back in the cave and he says to his guys, no, 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 God forbid that I should kill my master because God's with him. He's anointed by God. God's with him and when God was with me and we got together, I, I realized I can't do this. 
Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 18, Saul realized that the Lord is with David. Saul became more afraid of him, remained his enemy the rest of his days, and he was chasing. And then what happened? Here they are. David had this opportunity to exact revenge. And in 1 Samuel chapter 24, 6, he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. And with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and didn't allow them to sack, attack Saul. What's going on? Because David realized God was with him. He realized that God was with him. He realized that he could have confidence to face the enemies, the struggles, the issues that he faced. And he also realized that it wasn't his responsibility to hurt other people to get what he wanted. It was God's responsibility to elevate and to take down. It was not his responsibility. So he learned how to deal in humility with situations that were attacking him, all because he believed God was with him. That's David. How about Joseph? The story of Joseph is a twisted tale. Anybody started Genesis again? Yeah, I just started Genesis again. Man, you get in the story of Joseph. It is a twisted, twisted tale. So Joseph, there's, there's this guy named Jacob. He has 12 sons from four different women. And, and Joseph is the firstborn of the wife he really loved, of Rachel. So Joseph is treated with special favor, and his dad loves him more than he loved the other boys, and he's the youngest of the boys. You know, sometimes older boys have a tendency to pick on the younger. Well, Joseph wears his special coat made by dad. It's a coat of many colors. Joseph is the special boy. Everybody knows it. Well, one day, Joseph has a dream, and his dream is this, that he saw his father and his mother and all of his brothers bowing down to him. So Joseph, being young and stupid, does something really young and stupid. He tells his brothers the dream. Well, now they hate him even more. Dad treats you special, and now you think you're going to rule over us? Come on, you little punk, snotty-nosed boy. Right? So Joseph goes out one day to visit his brothers, and his brothers, you know, they, they're a little agitated at the little boy, and one of them says, hey, look, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. So they grab him, and they're going to kill him. And somebody says, ah, don't kill him. Let's, let's sell him. At least we can get something out of him. So they sell him, and he's sent away. Come on, this is a little bit of a rough environment. Those of you that have had some rough circumstances in your past, did, did your family sell you to make a few dollars off of you? All right, so anyway, he was sold into slavery, and he goes to Egypt. And he gets to Egypt, he's a slave boy in Egypt. And notice what is said about him as a slave in Egypt. Genesis 39.2, the Lord was what? Was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Slave prospering, I guess, is different than other prospering. I don't know, but I, I, I would rather have prospering not being a slave. How about you, right? So here he is, he's in the house. It seems like everything's gone wrong. Sounds like he's been sold by his brothers, he's been hated. All of these things have happened, and now he's a slave, and yet God was with him? Why is it that we think just because something bad comes our way that God abandoned us? God didn't abandon you. You may have abandoned him in the process, but he didn't abandon you. So here he is, he's a slave. 
And God was with him, so of course, he begun, becomes the best slave he can be. And being the best slave he can be, his master gives him everything, and, and now Joseph rules the entire household, and the only thing, according to Joseph, that he didn't have from his master was his wife. Well, of course, the master's wife notices Joseph in chapter 39, verse 8, but he, she comes to him, and he's, she's like, hey, hey, big boy. <laughs> Maybe she didn't say big boy. Maybe... Come here, slave boy. I don't know what she said. And, and when he, she said it, he refused. He said, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. And no one is greater in his house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God, who's right here with me? Notice... His, his temptation wasn't, oh, how can I get away with this? It wasn't, he didn't say, how can, I, how can I do this and not be punished by my master? How can we hide this? He said, how can I do this and sin against God? Because he believed God was with him because God was with him. And even though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even, or even be with her. I, can I make a note real quick here? Even be with her. Some of you hanging out in the wrong places around the wrong people. And, and when you hang out there, you're like, oh, I sinned. I can't believe I did that stupid thing. But I put myself in a position to do that stupid thing. I always told my kids, nothing good happens after midnight. Nothing good happens after midnight. You be home by midnight. Dad, you're so fat. I don't care. Be at, be at home by midnight. You know why? Nothing good happens after midnight. Well, come on, what's going to happen? Who's out at midnight after midnight looking for stuff? Nothing good happens on Tinder. If you've got an account, cancel it. Right? Well, I'm just looking. There's no harm to look. Really? No, nothing. Anyway. <laughs> All right. He, he chose to stay away from the temptation. That's a pretty wise thing for some of us. To stay away from the temptation. If temptation bugs you, don't go near it. How about that? One day, he went to the house to attend his duties... And none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. God was with him, but he wasn't staying there. So would this earn him? A trip to prison. Boy, that's a step up. I went from slave to prisoner. Yet, hold on, what is said about Joseph while he was in prison? Genesis 39, 23, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was what? With Joseph, I'm thinking if I'm going to be a prisoner or a slave, that I'm not sure I want God hanging out with me so much. Some of you have this weird thought in your brain that if God blesses you and God is with you, that there will never be any pain in your world. No, that's not it. There will be plenty of pain in your world. The difference is, is that if God is with you and God is blessing you, you can make the choices to overcome the pain. You can leave life behind you instead of death behind you. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. The Lord is with Joseph, and what happened? Eventually, that place of the prison led him to connect with the right people to be the prince of Egypt. 
Genesis chapter 41, verse 38. So Pharaoh asked them, can, can we find anyone like this? And whom is the Spirit of God? So what happened was the king, Pharaoh, saw some dreams. And the dreams were all bad things that were going to happen. And, and uh, Joseph interpreted the dreams. And he said, hey, listen, you should do blank, blank, blank. And Pharaoh said, hey, this is the guy right here. God's with him. Can we elevate him to take care of it? And in this position of authority, Joseph was lifted out of prison and put in the second highest position in the land right there in front of you why did God do this because when we bring the story full circle and we come back around a famine eventually comes over the entire land and it comes over his 11 other brothers back in Israel and Jacob and the 11 brothers wind up coming to Egypt and their lives are spared because Joseph was with God and Joseph went from slave to prison to king so that he could spare his brothers. But they thought he was going to kill them. What did Joseph say? Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50 verse 19, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? No, God is with me, but I'm not him. You intended to harm me. This whole thing, you intended to harm me when you sold me as a slave. But God was with me. And every step of the way, God intended everything that happened to me for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And I want to ask you a question. Do you think God's surprised by anything crazy that's ever happened to you? Do you think God's sitting up in heaven going, oh my, I didn't see that coming? Do you really think he's doing that? If you do, you have a real too small view of God. Do you know that God saw every one of your days before one of them began? And because he saw them all, he knew every problem that would ever face you. And he wants to be with you through those things so that in the end, you can accomplish the saving of many lives rather than just being another blob of, of dirt that dies when you're dead. You can actually do something. So what's the takeaway? A couple of takeaway. He persevered through hard times without becoming hard-hearted because God was with him. He exhibited character and was trustworthy because God was with him. He resisted the temptation to sin because God was with him. And he forgave those that intended to harm him because God was with him. Think about that. What, how would you act if you really believe God was with you? All right. So... Um, that's the question. How would you face tomorrow or this afternoon? How would you live differently if you really believed God was with you? So Jesus said something. It's in uh, John chapter 14, verse five, 4 and 5. Says, he said, remain in me as I also remain in you. Or be with me and I'll be with you. He said, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in you, me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I want to show you what you and I look like. Okay? I've got a picture. This picture of a, is of a tree in the Haas, I hope I'm saying that right. No, it's the Buck 
the Buck National Park in Hungary. And I don't know if you can see the tree on the, what would be the left, it's cut off. Do y'all see that? So somebody came along and cut that tree off down below. But the tree on the right, the tree on the right, the branches actually were grafted in to the trunk on the left. Do y'all see that? Now, now here's the deal. I looked at this. I, I got this and I examined this like a thousand magnifying to make sure what I'm going to tell you is the truth. Y'all ready for this? The tree on the left is alive. It literally is producing branches with green leaves on it. How is it possible that the tree on the left is alive even though everything has been cut away from it? Because it's connected to the other tree. Hey, listen. Jesus said that if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll stay alive even though everything got cut away from you. It doesn't matter what happened to you up to this moment in your life. It doesn't matter how you got here. It does not matter. What matters is if you let Jesus be connected to you and you will be connected to him, you can still live. You'll not only live, but you'll thrive. And I'll tell you what else. You'll thrive more because apparently there was something wrong that all that got cut off down below. God has a plan for you. Pick you up, support you, provide what you need. If you will abide in him, if you'll let him be with you. Do you know, it says in um, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Am I right, Andy? Okay. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and be with them. And they with me. God is knocking on your heart right now. And he's saying, I want to abide with you will you open up and let me abide with you very clear knock I wanted to sing an old hymn sing an old one real quick can we do an old one can you put those words up there for me so I can see it would y'all sing this with me and then I want to give a couple of say a couple of prayers alright and when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our way. Am I in the right key? Found his good will. He abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Can we do that first verse again? Can you sing the first verse? Come on, can we go back to the beginning? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. What a glory he sheds on his way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be 
happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. So I want to ask you a question. God is knocking on your heart today. I'd like everybody to bow your heads for just one second. I want to ask you a very simple question. God wants you to open up and he wants to come in and be with you. But you have to want him to be with you. If that's you this morning and you're saying, Jesus, I want you to be with me. I, I, I haven't been walking with you, but I want to. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand real high. I want to pray with you right now. Around this room. Yes. Yes, around this room. Hands are up. Father, I pray that today you would hear every single one of these prayers prayed. And that you would turn us to you. That you would be with us and we would be with you. We open up the door of our heart. And we right now, right now, we invite you in. Be with us. Amen. Man, we're going to conclude this way today.